back to Nudie Reads, a classic podcast for my mother. Quick mother update, no, she's not listening yet, which is entirely to be expected. But for all those mothers who are listening, you're all an awesome substitute, and so are all the listeners. Tonight's classic read is about the Salem witch trials, and particularly what was going on in October 1692. The author is Robert Califf, who was a Quaker from England who made his way to Boston and ended up a cloth merchant. He was around for the Salem witch trials and his spidey senses told him it was bullshit. So he wrote about the trials and he did it in a really interesting way. The Reverend Cotton Mather elevated the screeching girls who were accusing all and sundry of witchcraft. He, alongside others, treated them as legitimate when they were plainly awful girls deserving of an attitude adjustment. And if you don't get that reference, check out Hank Williams Jr. and the song of the same name. Mather had written a book called Wonders of the Invisible World about the trials, a real propaganda piece, very misleading. And Caliph wrote a response book in 1693 called More Wonders of the Invisible World, in which he recounts his views of the trials, and it's not favourable to Mather at all. The reason I like Caliph so much is that he identifies the turning point of the hysteria as the threat of a defamation action made by a Boston businessman in response to a scurrilous accusation of witchcraft against him. You can't run your mouth accusing people of a crime, witchcraft was a crime still in 1692, without someone eventually saying, you know, I'm not a witch and it's rather defamatory of you to say that I am. By then, defamation was old law, having started back in the 13th century. Now, more than 200 people were accused of witchcraft, and Salem only had a population back then of around 500 or so. So it's no surprise eventually the accusers had to take a risk and start naming people they didn't know. So the likelihood of someone pushing back on them using legal avenues was bound to happen. For me, the interesting question is why the defamation threat wasn't used sooner. Did the good citizens of Salem not care about their reputations? Or was the hysteria so over the top that no one could think straight? I'm not sure what the answer is, but thank goodness Robert Califf was there to write a really interesting view of the trials, to write what he saw and what he thought, and be enough of a clear thinker to know that he was looking at something very wrong. Let's get into it. Robert Califf... More Wonders of the Invisible World An impartial account of the most memorable matters of fact touching the supposed witchcraft in New England. It was the latter end of February 1691 when diverse young persons and one or more of the neighbourhood began to act after a strange and unusual manner, as by getting into holes and creeping under chairs and stools and to use sundry odd postures and antic gestures uttering foolish, ridiculous speeches, which neither they themselves nor any others could make sense of. The physicians that were called could assign no reason for this, but it seems one of them told them he was afraid they were bewitched. Upon such suggestions, they applied themselves to fasting and prayer, which was attended not only in their own private families, but with calling in the help of others. But after any one prayer was ended, they would act and speak strangely and ridiculously. One, a girl of eleven or twelve years old, would sometimes seem to be in a convulsion fit, 
her limbs being twisted several ways and very stiff, but presently her fit would be over. The number of the afflicted were at that time about ten. Mrs. Pope, Mrs. Putnam, Goodwife Bibber, the Goodwife Goodall, Mary Walcott, Mercy Lewes, Dr. Griggs's maid, and the three girls, Elizabeth Paris, Abigail Williams, and Anne Putnam, which last three were not only the beginners, but were also the chief in these accusations. These ten were most of them present at the March 21, 1692 examination of Goodwife Corey, and did vehemently accuse her of afflicting them by biting, pinching, strangling, etc. And they said they did in their fits see her likeness coming to them and bringing a book for them to sign. Mr. Haythorne, a magistrate of Salem, asked Goodwife Corey why she afflicted those children. She said she didn't afflict them. He asked her who did then. She said, I don't know, how should I know? (laughs) She said they were poor, distracted creatures and no heed should be given to what they had said. Mr. Haythorne replied that it was the judgment of all that they were bewitched. She was accused by them that the black man whispered to her in her ear now while she was in the examination and that she had a yellow bird that did used to suck between her fingers and that the said bird did suck now in the examination. When the accused had any motion of her body, hands or mouth, the accusers would cry out as when she bit her lip they would cry out of being bitten. If she placed one hand on the other, they would cry out of being pinched by her and would produce marks. So of the other motions of her body, as complaining of being pressed when she leaned to the seat next to her. If she stirred her feet, they would stamp and cry out of pain there. After the hearing, goodwife Corey was committed to Salem Prison and then their crying out of her abated. March the 24th, goodwife Nurse was brought before Mr. Haythorne. She, being accused of much the same crimes, made the like answers, asserting her own innocence with earnestness. The accusers were mostly the same, and complaining much. The dreadful shrieking from Mrs. Putnam was very amazing, which was heard at a great distance. Goodwife Nurse was also committed to prison. A child of Sarah Goods was likewise apprehended, being between four and five years old. The accusers said this child bit them and would show like marks as those of a small set of teeth upon their arms. As many of the afflicted as the child cast its eye upon would complain that they were in torment. The child was also committed. March 31, 1692. Abigail Williams said that she saw a great number of persons in the village at the administration of a mock sacrament where they had bread as red as raw flesh and red drink. April 1, Mercy Lewis said that she saw a man in white with whom she went into a glorious place. This white man is said to have appeared several times to others of them and to have given them notice how long it should be before they should have another fit. April the 3rd, being Sacrament Day at the village, Sarah Cloy's sister to goodwife nurse and a member of one of the churches was present. She rose up and went out, the wind shutting the door forcibly, gave occasion to some to suppose she went out in anger and might occasion a suspicion of her of being a witch. She was soon complained of, examined and committed. 
April the 11th. By this time, the number of the accused and accusers being much increased was a public examination at Salem. There appeared several who complained against others with hideous clamours and screechings. Goodwife Proctor was brought thither being accused or cried out against, and her husband came to attend and assist her. The accusers cried out of him also, and he was committed with his wife. About this time, October 1692, a new scene was begun. One Joseph Ballard of the town of Andover nearby to Salem, whose wife was ill and after died of a fever, sent to Salem for some of the accusers to tell him who afflicted his wife. Others did the like. Horse and man were sent from several places to fetch those accusers who had the spectral sight that they might thereby tell who afflicted those that were anyways ill. When the accusers came in to any place where such were, usually they fell into a fit, after which, being asked who it was that afflicted the person, they would, for the most part, name one whom they said sat on the head and another that sat on the lower parts of the afflicted. Soon after Ballard's sending, more than 50 of the people of Andover were complained of for afflicting their neighbours. Here it was that many accused themselves of riding upon poles through the air, many parents believing their children to be witches, and many husbands their wives. When these accusers came to the house of any upon such account, it was ordinary for other young people to be taken in fits and to say they had the same spectral sight. Mr. Dudley Bradstreet, a justice of peace in Andover, having granted out warrants against and committed thirty or forty to prison for the supposed witchcrafts, at length saw cause to forbear granting out any more warrants. Soon after which, he and his wife were accused, himself said to have killed nine persons by witchcraft. He found it safest course to make his escape. A dog being afflicted at Salem Village, those that had the spectral sight being sent for, they accused Mr. John Bradstreet, brother of Mr. Dudley Bradstreet, that he afflicted the said dog and was now riding him. He made his escape to Pescatiqua, and the dog was put to death. At Andover, the afflicted complained of another dog as afflicting of them, and would fall into their fits when the dog looked upon them. That dog was also put to death. A worthy gentleman of Boston, being about this time accused by those at Andover of afflicting them, he sent by some particular friends a writ to arrest those accusers, in a thousand-pound action for defamation, with instructions to his friends to inform themselves of the certainty or otherwise of the proof. In doing this, their business was perceived, and from thenceforward the accusations at Andover generally ceased. In November, the accusers were sent for to Gloucester by Lieutenant Stevens, who was told that a sister of his was bewitched. On their way, passing over Ipswich Bridge, the accusers met an old woman and instantly fell into their fits. But by this time, the validity of such accusations being much questioned, they found not that encouragement that they had done earlier and soon withdrew. In the trials, when any were indicted for afflicting, pining and wasting the bodies of particular persons by witchcraft, it was usual to hear evidence of matter very foreign and of perhaps twenty or thirty years standing about oversetting carts, the death of cattle, 
unkindness to relations or unexpected accidents befalling after some quarrel. Nineteen persons have been hanged and one pressed to death and eight more condemned in jail, in all twenty and eight of which above a third were members of some of the churches of New England and more than half of them in good standing in general. Not one of them has been cleared. About fifty have confessed themselves to be witches. Above a hundred and fifty are in prison, and above two hundred more accused. And though the confessing witches were so many, yet not one of them that confessed their own guilt were ever put to death. And that's where we'll leave it today. One day when I get around to writing the Nudie Reads bumper book of people who can sod right off, I will be including 17th century Salem's Elizabeth Paris, Abigail Williams and Anne Putnam and the rest of the harpies because they weren't afflicted and the devil didn't come to them at night in the shape of a raven. They were just young, bored and really shitty people and the whole awful episode never would have happened without them. That's my two cents. Love to know your views, listeners. Do get in touch. Links how in the show description. Okay. I do hope you'll join me when we meet Don Quixote, the man of La Mancha. Thanks for listening to Nudie Reads.